coming up next on Glow in the Dark. I could die without friendship. It's vital. <laughs> like this is incredibly yeah. vital. Earlier when you were talking mm-hmm. about the bones of the relationship, so many um, infrastructure shifted. People who didn't yeah. have their work buddies anymore or like me going to dance class and how many friends I had going to dance class. Our infrastructures were taken away and that was the foundation of our relationship. So with the shifting of these infrastructures, what bones are holding this relationship up? Nothing, just shaky ankles. We finna fall, you know? Rattling. Rattling. Hey, hey, welcome to Glow in the Dark, a well-being podcast for embracing both our lights and our shadows. I'm Tracy, and I've had the honor of experiencing 20 years of beautiful friendship with my co-host, Girdly. What's up, y'all? What Tracy said is accurate. Our friendship works mainly because we have an insatiable appetite for convos that are curious, illuminating, and spicy. Mm-hmm. The kind that unpacks the deeper messages within this human experience. We're hella grateful you're here. On this episode, we are talking about the foundation and evolution of friendship. Gurley and I have been friends for nearly 20 years, bro. Two, zero. She is one of my longest and proudest commitments. And yet, society pulls up and is looking at the relationship that meets you at the aisle as the only love that truly fucking matters, that's worthy of the crown. But that is so limiting in addition to just being inaccurate. It's been a while since I've been on the mic with Girdley, so not only did we think exploring shit like how our view of friendship has shifted from middle school to now, what our parents taught us or didn't teach us about friendships, um, forming a friendship with ourselves, etc., etc., all of that we felt was worthy of discussion, but we also felt it would serve as a cute introduction or reintroduction to us as individuals as well as a dynamic duo. Let's get into it. Oh, Girdly. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Girdly. What's up, Racy? I've been thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about how I feel when I be staring into your eyes and how I never have a problem with staring at you for more reasons than one. <laughs> whether this is IRL, whether there is like a screen between us, you know, these deep mahogany lenses of yours that frame this beautiful black nose of yours. (laughs) And when I look into your eyes, Girdly, I feel, I'm being honest now and serious, I feel a soul that I've had many lives with I feel free to express myself in whatever way the moment calls for. I feel held. I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel the presence of our creator. I feel the absence of our divider. Innumerable amount of things, but I'm going to conclude this um, public love letter to you while also uh, opening this public podcast of ours by saying, although many people listening to this 
including yourself, Gurley, know that I have been happily monogamous with a man for six years. Damn it, Gurley, you are still my significant other. <laughs> you are still a romantic partner of mine, okay? I love you, Tracy. <laughs> Let the record show it. <laughs> And really, the only difference between you and Carl, that's my um my partner that I, I share more than my soul with, <laughs> dear listeners, but the only asterisk around your role as a significant other, as a romantic partner of mine, Gurley, is that you're forever in the friend zone. <laughs> How do you feel about being forever in the friend zone? I am A-OK with that. It has been... <laughs> This is like prime real estate. Like to be in Trace, to be in the love, to be wrapped in the love and the trust of you, Tracy, has been like a gift. Like, I love you. I love you so very deeply. Like our friendship has been so good. I was talking to my partner last night about you or because we're getting ready to start talking about my birthday and who I want to come. And I was talking about the people that I really need there. And we came across Tracy. And I was talking about the importance and the presence that you bring into my life. And like from the day that I met you, which was like, what, like 15 years ago? Yeah. No, girly, we're closer to 20 years, bro. I was whipping out the mental calculator and I was like, oh my God. What blows me, what blows my mind when you say that is that I did not meet you in the sandbox. And that statement is still true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But our inner childs love each other. And that's what it is. And that's what I was explaining. I'm like, literally my relationship with Tracy, like Tracy reminds me of like the friend that I wish that I had when I was a kid. I had amazing friends. Let me be clear. And I have amazing sisters, but like you always enhance my creativity. You're so fun and you're so whimsical. And you just remind me that there's still so much magic and color to life. Like you inspire and you excite me. And I see you sprinkle that magic into all your circles. But to know that I get to be so close, that's why I say I'm on prime real estate. Like I'm happily in your friend zone because it's it's been nothing but beauty here. It's been like the most enchanted place to stand on. It's literally holy ground. Like, I love your energy. You're amazing. I told him, I was like, I was trying to describe the quality of our friendship and the quality of the energy that you bring. And I'm like, I will have like an off the wall idea. And some people might question the validity of it or try to see it for themselves. Not only is Tracy going to see it, she's going to blow it out the water. She'd be like, and then we can add this to it. And I'm like, yeah. And you just keep, (laughs) and you just keep making my ego real hot. Let me cool myself down real quick. But I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I feel like as someone so grounded, I really appreciate all of, I, I love you literally are a breath of fresh air. You give me wings. And, um, and I was saying, I'm like, I'm like, she's like, she's like, she's like an imaginary friend, right? But better because you're in real life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. Well, Gurley, the best part of hearing this is it literally sounds like you are me speaking about you. Wow. Yeah. Like the mutuality <laughs> is so bananas. And like, I just say it with ease. So it's like, there's a level of comfort, although, you know, for... I don't know when I started becoming uncomfortable, not fully comfortable with compliments. Um, I'm actively getting better at that, listeners. But um, but I feel comfortable hearing all of this, I guess because it just feels like a mirror bouncing back. So it's just like, oh, Gertie's just reading a transcript from my mind of how I feel about her. 
and, 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 and my love- heart is like, knock, knock, bitch. She's actually really talking about you. Make sure you receive that part. Make sure you're okay it's with very holding true. it. You and, know what I mean? And the beauty of this, Tracy, is that we, we do this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like this is regular for us. This is a practice. This is um something that's like constantly nurtured. And I would never require this from a friendship. I don't require this from really anything outside of a romantic relationship. Um Yeah. But it's just a regular practice. Like we just we just love on each other and it's natural yeah. and it's easy. And um I that's why it's so comfortable to do this now because I'm like we're not doing anything. <laughs> we're not doing anything for a show. This is what we do for no reason. <laughs> This is our ritual. This like, is our ritual. Affirmation. This is our love language. <laughs> Absolutely is our ritual. Like, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is platonic PDA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which, <laughs> which really needs to have its own, like, appreciation day. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I, I embrace everything that you said, Gurdley. I feel the same exact way as you. Um, I started off like this because I felt like it just, anchored this episode, you know, as we begin a new chapter of podcasting, um, as we enter this rebrand from She's Beauty and Beast to Glow in the Dark. And at the root of it all, when I was thinking about like, okay, let me just get back to the bones. And I was like, yo, I spoke about last season, how I realized I feel best in conversation that is collaborative, like a um, a dialogue more than a monologue, you know? And also when I reflect, so many reminders of who I am have come from our experiences together, Gert. Facts. Facts. <laughs> so that's why I was like, all right, let me see if I can snag my gal to be like another steady voice in this podcast, to be side by side with me. Because 20 years ago, nearly 20 years ago, when we first met, how many times have we said, yo, we need to document before we even knew about the term, Word. <laughs> about Word. the lane, the medium of podcasting? I was like, yo, bro, this is unfair. How can we just have this chat, such a clear channel between us and we're the only ones on the receiving end? Like, no, this, this has to be, um, shared. With others, you know what I'm saying. I, I can't, I can't hoard all of the the goodness that is girdly, and also just thinking about yeah. So that's why I wanted to have friendship as the first um, episode for Glow in the Dark. But also girdly, I've been seeing so many different conversations online with folks our age, like mainly late twenties, um, thirties, just folks who are grown, right? who are questioning their friendships. Some are questioning the validity of their friendships. Some are mourning friendships, you know? Some are trying to figure out how to create sustainable friendships. And it's the irony is we are so connected Right? No, we have so much engagement online, but we don't have as much connection. You know, and they're, and they're so similar, but there's just like a nuance and the difference between interaction and connection. And also because mortality has been a, um, a shadow that's been following me 
more so these days than ever before. Um, you know, these last two years that we've been in a pandemic and even if I am not losing a close one, I'm constantly hearing about close ones of mine who are losing close ones. You know what I'm saying? And it just makes me think, okay, who do I really want to be around? You know, um, just taking inventory and also asking like, how can I be around those I love even more? And thinking about my parents so much. And one of the things, I mean, listeners, when I was younger, I would consider myself to be a very um, precocious child. <laughs> like I knew probably right out the womb. I sent you, I think, a meme of this girly where it was like this baby. I don't know if y'all saw this, but it was a picture of a baby who is uh, literally just just bored. But he's crying. It has a face that it's like, God damn it, I'm back in this human thing again. <laughs> oh, I remember I that saying. baby. <laughs> yeah. I remember that like, baby. I, I know that I was a child like that. I didn't have the language to explain. But anyways, my point is, is that I was very observant of um, the adults in my life, you know? And one of the things that kind of broke my heart was just looking, realizing that my parents didn't really have friends. But now, at least in the way that I thought of friends, I thought that my parents kind of um, really sat in their role as parents. I always wanted to know at a younger age, well, who is Marie? <laughs> who is Marie? And who is Antonio? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? And who do y'all cackle with? And like, who tells you that you fucking up? Because clearly I can't. <laughs> and All honestly, the probably reason why they don't have friends is because that friend probably did try to tell them. <laughs> and they're so? no longer around. They probably got cut off. Uh, we call it the Caribbean cutoff. Uh, yeah. Well, culture has a, culture has a lot to do with Absolutely. determining, yeah, the way that we, that we define friendships. And so like I was thinking, all right, well, Tracy, what is your definition of friendship? Because there's, in my opinion, so many different types of friendships, but at the root of it all, I feel like it is a mutual tenderness that's experienced between two people. Um, I believe it was Lovey who did an interview, um, on, um, Glennon Doyle's podcast. Um, we can do hard things. And she said, like, friendship, the feeling of friendship is, uh, entering a recharging station of sorts, you know? And so when someone's presence feels like replenishment and there's also um, ease involved, this is me speaking as a woman in her 30s, you know? This is not how I thought about friendship like all my life. We'll walk you up through the evolution of our definition of, of friendship, but that's how I feel now. And I also know I've mentioned this um a couple times in the past that I realized that friends are very much like plants when it comes to the upkeep, the maintenance, you know? And so you may have a friendship that's more so like um, a snake plant that doesn't require as much watering for it to thrive. Right. You know? Right. But then you might have um, a friendship that's like a fern. Yeah. If anyone's had a fern. You already know. <laughs> 
You know, these babies are high maintenance. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think a part of my maturity in friendships is not focusing on so much on my needs, but how does this other person need to be loved? You know what I mean? The same way how we go into like our um, love languages and we mainly use that as like a compass for navigating our sexual relationships, our intimate, you know, romantically, physically intimate relationships. I think that's just as useful in friendships. Yeah. What's your definition? I mean, I think I definitely agree with the idea of a friendship being something that can be recharged. Um, or feel, feel like it's recharging. Um, the tenderness is important, particularly for me. Consistency is important too. Like, I feel like something that's long lasting. Uh, I guess I'm a little, uh, I love people and I get along with people very easily. But before I yeah. consider somebody a friend, it kind of has to ha- be around for a while. So to me, mm-hmm. something that's long lasting definitely has to be part of the definition. Um, there's a certain level of longevity that I need to actually feel like vulnerable, comfortable, and open. You can be a vulnerable with me from the day, from the first day that we meet and I'll covet yeah. your secrets. I'll covet whatever it is that you have to say. I'll hold on to it for you. I think the first time we met, you just like opened up because you're such an open book. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, this girl's so comfortable and she's so open. And um, that instantly made me comfortable with you. Um, for me, it takes a little bit more time. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you and I had that time because I needed it. Um, so yeah. to me, I, when I think of uh, the definition of a friendship, I need tenderness. I need warmth. Um, and it's kind of made me hard. And I know that that's not always something that's readily accessible to some people, um, especially mm-hmm. if you weren't necessarily raised... Or if you're just not that comfortable with affection, right? If you're just yeah. not comfortable with like doting on each other for a little bit. Um, yeah. And not that I require that, but I love to love. And I think that friendship is a perfect opportunity for that. Um, so I really do like to have that type of warmth in our relationship. And I, I've had friends in the past that just aren't comfortable with that type of and I'll never force it on them, but I can feel yeah. that we can't be like that. I can feel that we can't be like that. And um, and it kind of just makes me, uh, I don't know, hold space, hold space mm-hmm. a little bit um, mm-hmm. or just keep my distance a little bit emotionally. Physically, I'm going to be around if you need me. I will be there. But like emotionally, I haven't felt that um, safe to embrace the relationship yeah. the way that I naturally would with relationships that hold space for that type of warmth. So to me, tenderness is very deeply important. And when tenderness can't be there, I respect it because I know how trauma manifests. And I know that some people weren't even given the tools to tap into right. that part of themselves, even though they might themselves desire it. And maybe they might even know that that's something that's a part of me. And that's probably what made them want to you know, pursue this type of friendship. So I hold, I hold space and patience for people that can't do that. But me and myself personally, I know that without that there, it's going to take a certain level for, um, me to open up in that way. Um, mm-hmm. so something longstanding, something tender, something where we affirm each other, um, and something that's long lasting. Yeah. I like that it sounds, it sounds like you have prerequisites to a friendship. You know what I mean? 
Because you know what? Like when you mentioned how I was an open book the first time that we met, but me being an open book, you didn't confuse that with closeness. You understand what I'm saying? Which I realize like now with social media, that confusion can happen where <laughs> someone might think because someone's a closed, I mean, an open book <laughs> that all that transparency now forms trust, now instantly forms kinship. <laughs> when it's, when it's like, oh, it's just a spark. You know what I mean? Maybe this is just how they flirt. <laughs> and so it's almost like the same approach to dating. You know what I mean? That we kind of do a friendship, but I just notice online how quickly in these past, I would say, I don't know, seven to 10 years of social media, how because there's a lot of approachability access, of course, we're able to kind of peruse someone's mind because they gave us the keys, but they didn't necessarily like give us their presence. If that, if that makes sense, you know, it it makes perfect sense. Yeah. They just, it's like, we're, we're voyeurs. We're a very voyeuristic society. And when you think about voyeurs, when you're constantly like looking at someone, all this, you do form a sort of relationship. (laughs) And, and so it's tricky. Like I'll see like folks like online who will call their community like besties or friends. And not like when I hear it, I feel allergic to it. I'm just like, this is so interesting because if I were to, I don't know, pull up to your crib (laughs) because you happen to show like your home on stories. And I was like, oh, I know where that is. And then I knocked on your door and I was like, Bessie, (laughs) you would slam it in my face. And so it's so it's interesting how we all kind of know the language that could forge a friendship, but in some ways it's like a costume until, or it's just like flesh until you do further investigation to see if it really has bones. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so even though we had that connection and I shared that with you, you still took your time. Yeah. You followed your, your pace and you was just like, Oh, okay. I like her. So I'll allow my curiosity. You know what I mean? To run along with this, but I ain't going to get it twisted. She hasn't earned my friendship yet. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't word it like that, but I hear you. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't word it like that, but I okay. hear you. How, so you don't think you have prerequisites? Um, Am I getting this wrong? Ah, uh, do I have prerequisites? Um, I have levels of comfort. Yeah. I have levels. Okay. Of, you know, I have levels of, ah, I got, I was going to use the word ac- um, access. <laughs> I'm not being intentional about it. I'm, I'm not being intentional about it. It's literally just, um, it's just how my, my, um, my levels of intimacy, uh, it's how they unfurl. It's the levels that it takes for that, for me to be that open. Um, yeah. I, I hold space. For, for your expression, you know, but I, yeah. I, it takes time for me. It takes time for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe it's a prerequisite. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think, I think it is levels of comfort because sometimes too, it's where we are at in our lives, yeah. you know, that determine if we're also ready. Yeah. For a particular friendship. Yeah. Like, 
how many times do we often have a wacky first impression or first encounter with someone, you know what I mean? Or maybe during that time, you was like, I don't see how we have anything in common. And then you bump into this person years later, or maybe sometimes you grow up <laughs> or they grow up. I'm thinking about even someone like my sister, you know, where I now officially, my sister is in her thirties, which is bananas to fuck. You say that every time. We're both in our thirties. That's the strangest thing. But finally, I would say my sister's like late, maybe 25. I was like, Oh, she's my friend. This young woman is, 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 is my friend. You know what I mean? Because our levels of maturity, like finally met. In, in the middle. And I feel like that can be the case with like anyone. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, I also think, and we touched upon it a little bit earlier, but how culture plays into like the forming of friendships and how like yeah. friendship was even like presented to us at like an early age. And like, because I feel like there was so much, um, emphasis placed on education. And my culture is like first generation Haitian girl. Um, so much yeah. emphasis placed on education. The idea friendship was always painted as some kind of like distraction, something that's going to keep you off of the path. Um, yeah, you know, toward the path of success and friends are going to be in a distraction or anything of that sort. And, um, I always knew that that was like cap. I'm like, this is hyperbole. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, like friendships enhance friendships enhance the educational experience. Um, yeah. But just because knowing that that was always in the back of my mind and that was always something that um was used as like some kind of like recognition to actually like a rites of passage to actually stepping into emotional maturity is to have an awareness mm. of how friendship and social circles and kinship and allowing people to be so close into your life, how that can actually help shape your future. Um, yeah. Because that has always been like a factor that's played into it. I think that's also kind of played into how friendships are created and in my life, in my experience personally, anyways. Um, mm-hmm. So it took me into becoming an adult for me to actually fully embrace and be aware of the ways in which that, um, For me to really understand how medicinal friendship actually is, like to the extent of it, you know, like I know that I love it. It's fun. It's amazing. And it's, it's so fulfilling. But now it's like, no, like I could die without friendship. It's vital. (laughs) It's final. This is like serious. Like this is incredibly vital, incredibly vital. And, you know, quarantine showed that for everybody early when you were talking Mm -hmm. about the bones of the relationship. So many, um, infrastructure shifted. People didn't have their work buddies anymore or like me going to dance class and how many friends I had going to dance class. Um, our infrastructures were taken away and that was the foundation of our relationship. So with the shifting of these infrastructures, what bones are holding this relationship up? Nothing, just shaky ankles. We finna fall, you know? Rattling. Rattling. (laughs) (laughs) And at the same, at the same time, I think it was really, um, paramount for folks to pour into the friendship with themselves. Yeah. So I think on the flip side, because, oh my gosh, I mention this all the time, but I don't like, I don't think I've mentioned this on, um, 
this podcast, but you know, our great Esther Peril, world renowned relationship expert, um, psychotherapist. I remember she had did a global study on when partners find each other most mm. attractive. Mm. And the result was after absence was felt when they missed each other. And so for me, that's important for me personally. I'm the snake plant. <laughs> I'm the snake plant. And so during quarantine, I actually relished in that time apart <laughs> because with the life that um, I've led with having many different branches of friendships, so many different tiers, et cetera, et cetera, like I had to reunite with the friendship of self, especially when we, you know, in this zeitgeist of self-love, but the step before love is friendship, right? Dating, getting to know like someone's interest, shared interest. You know what I mean? Where do we align? What are our values, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And especially with all of these um, devices, and sometimes we can use friendship as um, a distraction. You know what I mean? Uh, and this is all just in terms of, you know, having a sense of balance, portion control, you know, however that works best for, 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 for you at different seasons in your life. But I do feel like quarantine gave room for friendship with self. And that is also, I think, what's contributing to now being back out here in the streets, friendship with another feeling so good, so juicy, you know what I mean? So like nutritional medicinal, like you, like you were saying. Uh, but let me tell you something. When I was younger, <laughs> this is the flip side, taking it back to like elementary school, my definition of friendship was simply to be chosen by the pretty girls. <laughs> it's really wild how important like proximity to beauty was. I don't know if that was the same for you. Uh, I think but, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. And I think that has a lot to do probably with just like the media that I was consuming at the time, too, just in terms of like the popular girl or like the pretty girl being, you know, the protagonist of every single thing I book, I read, Disney movie I watched, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there was still like a part of me that felt bored with superficial you know, friendships where the focus was just on, okay, how are we going to freak our uniform <laughs> so we could get these boys to pay attention to us? You know what I mean? Or just have, have I, I didn't know how to describe it, but I always knew that there was a part of me that felt very lonely, even though I was around so many people. And even at a young age, elementary school too. I mean, this is when I first started manifesting you, Berg. Girl. <laughs> Because I remember going to New York City. I don't know what age this was, but my parents had my beautiful parents um, who gave my sister and I so many experiences to just add depth to our character and just excitement and curiosity. Just God bless them. They're also my friends now, too. 
That took the longest. Oh my gosh. That's really cute. <laughs> that's you talking about time? <laughs> no, that's time? fun. Yeah. When you get to that place okay. where you see your parents as people. Yeah. That's a cool place but to be. But they still wouldn't call me a friend. I call them a friend. <laughs> it's a one-sided friendship. Because <laughs> they old school. But it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine because it, it still gives me what I need. Uh, what the hell am I saying? Okay, yes. So when I went to New York City and I was like, oh my gosh, this it's funny because I'm realizing I have friendships with more than just like earthlings, human beings. Like I feel like I have a genuine friendship with the energy of New York City. Of Brooklyn. I could see that. It's, it's, yeah, I'm just, because, because everything has a frequency. You know what I'm saying? So when we're just taking it down to like the soul, then of course, you know, of course I feel like I have, I have a friendship with nature. You know, I'm out in Prospect Park in Brooklyn and I feel like the trees are having bomb ass conversations with me. You know what I'm saying? And the grass is just like flirting with my toes. It's just, it's everything. And so when I went to New York for the first time, I was like, oh, nah, this is where I'm going to find the humans that match the energy of of this city. And that's when I started manifesting as like a youth. Don't matter. It don't matter. I don't want to talk about this boy. I do not care. New York City, New York City, New York City, New York City. <laughs> Whatever word I have. For, I, I think I was just calling you. What was I calling you? Just my people. <laughs> my people, my people, my people. And then... In high school is when I really started proactively curating my friendship circles. I think in elementary school, it's kind of just like, yeah, I feel for me, because elementary school was much smaller, whoever's around you is just what you got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And then, the, and then you, you know guys I mean? are all held as captive audiences. Like, mm-hmm. if we're all doing gym and we're all on the same kickball team, we might as well be friends because we want to win, you know? So. There's so much of your uh, autonomy that's capt- <laughs> that's held captive when you're that age. So yeah, it's whoever's yeah. around becomes your community. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Which I think is important. I think, you know, that's a great level one. Exactly. You know? and, yeah. And I'm, and I'm appreciative of that. Um, and then level two, because high school just involves way more bodies, you know what I mean? Then I felt like, okay... Who, how do I feel when I'm interacting with someone? That's when I started like questioning why I wanted to be near certain people and go against my intuition. My intuition became much stronger in high school. My intuition first started speaking to me when it came to friendships, for sure. Yes. And then I'll, I'll never forget when I was like, Oh, this is legitimately, I think my first, a, a, Adult friendship, although, you know, the other quote unquote real adults would probably side eye me, but I was like, oh, no, I found someone who is not experiencing their first human experience. You know what I mean? And that is through a young woman named Jamie Bruno. (laughs) And Jamie just, oh my gosh, I was so enamored with her spirit from the moment that I met her. Such a um, aesthetically beautiful young lady. And because she knew, just as I did, that so many of our early friendships during our our, um, formative years was about, um, like I said, proximity to beauty, you know, rubbing elbows with like the pretty squad. I'll never freaking forget when I asked this girl, because she came in sophomore year 
And I was like, oh, how's everything going around? It seems like people are really gravitating towards you. And she was like, that's all fake. They only do it this because they think I'm pretty. Deadass! This level of awareness <laughs> and like the audacity to say that out loud. What grade were but you? For me to understand. What hmm? grade was this? This sophomore year of high school. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. This is this this sophomore year of high school. And this was on a Friday. And she was like, I'm gonna prove it to you. This weekend, I'm cut. She had very long hair. I think her hair might as well. I mean, for the purposes of this story, let's just say it was waist like, right? She was like, I'm gonna prove it to you. This weekend, I'm gonna cut my hair <laughs> to my ears. I'm gonna start wearing my glasses again. And we'll see who wants to be friends with me. <laughs> And she did it. I'm talking about old school bowl over her head, snip, snip all around the edges, bro. And I was like, you are gangsta. I need more of you in my life. I was like, oh, nah. And she had such a strong, like, like a true global citizen. This is, um, uh, a young Italian woman, but at that time knew even more about like, Haiti and like blackness than me. It was embarrassing. <laughs> but that's because she was just like, well, she didn't look at herself as I'm Italian, so I know about Italians or I'm white, so I'm white. She looked at herself as I'm human. So let me learn about humans everywhere. You know what I mean? That's the common denominator, not like my race or even like my, um, gender, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, this is someone who first got me thinking about, um, uh, like different, like, sciences it just took my brain to other galaxies yeah your really first critically thinking friend yeah that's exciting Aww. you went to an all-girl high school right trace yes i did i wonder yes, i did i wonder how that plays into that experience because i mean ideally that reason why people send you know kids to these schools is because the genders the, the genders distract each other right mm-hmm. um i wonder if you being in an environment where, um, you know, you weren't constantly told books before boys because boys bring babies. Um, I wonder. How- <laughs> <laughs> you said that so quick, girly. It sounds like you're reciting something. Girl, cause that was, that's what I was told every day of my life. Like, yeah, all the time. Um, and I wonder because you did not have to worry about that, how that also, allowed you to just create more authentic friendships at a younger age in high school. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get it in the beginning. Oh my gosh. If I had Google back then, I really would have been trying to figure out how to formally divorce my parents when they were saying you're going to an all girls school. Oh my gosh. I was offended to the maximum that they were doing this to me. But then I graduate and I thank them. I apologize. <laughs> I love you. I can feel your teenage audacity right now. Oh <laughs> I was offended gosh. to the max. <laughs> I was I was raging, bro. Yeah, I'm but, sure. But um yeah, no, I appreciated it so much. Yeah, it made me feel um comfortable. And I mean, I'm sure it's different now. And I feel like that comfort level just really comes from me being a cis, I won't say hetero. I'll say, because bi doesn't feel right either. I'm going to say queer. I'm going to go with queer. Yeah, I'm going to say a cis, queer, but hetero-leaning woman in all-girls school definitely gave me the comfort I needed to explore who I am. Yeah. And just like how you were saying earlier, when you have a deeper sense of who you are, it's all the more easier to connect with who you need to be around. 
Um, And I love that sentiment um, because I wholeheartedly identify with it. And I think a lot of people who spent so much time by themselves in social isolation came to that conclusion as well, too. Um, The importance of just like finding your own voice to understand your own needs. Um, It's interesting. There was uh, an article that I read in Nylon and it was from... the name of the writer was Laura Pitcher. And she was talking about how um, actually like our ideology around wellness can also create a lot of division in friendships because there is so much um, wellness placed on the individual and not so much the collective. So much to the point where people, a lot of people, I mean, you navigate, though it sounds like you had a very healthy navigation of what your needs in a friendship look like. So when you were able to come out of quarantine, it was just like, oh, let me, let me, let me feed into this need that I realize that I, I have and that I require. Um, whereas I think for a lot of other people, or maybe, or according to this article, that, um, a lot of people took that as an opportunity to sit and really evaluate who was toxic and who was not. And because yeah. there's so much emphasis on individual wellness, um, the person who exhibits toxic traits that could be rooted in depression, that could be yep. rooted in just not being able to navigate this really difficult right. period of time, um, this constant need the to tools be, of communication. Exactly. This constant need to be around the people with the good vibes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are thriving or the people who got their mind right and X, Y, Z are the people who are showing up and giving you the calls and showing up in this way that um, speaks to whatever our socially undefined definition of what friendship should be. Um, those people get cut off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's actually applauded. We are calling those people the alpha female or the boss babes or the people that are making their circle small and only rocking with the people that, um, they want to be an average of, right? Because you're an average of the five that, people I you spend that. the most. Me too. Me too. You're an average of the five people you spend the most time with, theoretically speaking. That's how the saying goes. And so we're constantly making sure that we're only in a team of winners and mm-hmm. or people who show up carrying that, who can um uh visibly exercise our social standing of what health looks like. So right. what happens is that our the friends that aren't navigating that properly, they're getting left behind because now they're, now they come off as the toxic one. And I think a lot of people were coming out of quarantine, um, with that. So in the same way that, um, creating a friendship with yourself can also deepen certain relationships, it's also causing a divide, um, in a lot of relationships too. In addition to the fact that so much of our infrastructures are shifting and the ways in which we're facilitating our friendships have had, have shifted, like the places that we're creating that foundation. So yeah. you really have to be really intentional with how you're going about our French, um, how you're going about friendship nowadays too, because so much of our social culture, the ideology around friendship shifts all the freaking time. Like now, right now we're really in a place where it's like, if they aren't productive and if they're not matching your frequency, then you don't need them around you. And that really, it which is crazy because it's rooted in wellness, but there's so much of that that's rooted in anti-wellness because so many people are really even figuring out how to navigate their own demons, right? People are, and that's also why I love that we have such a long-standing, enduring friendship because we've been with each other through each other's seasons of depression. We've been with each other through each other's seasons of heartbreak. We've been with each other through each other's seasons of this person moved away and now this person moved back. We've been with each other through weight changes, (laughs) hair changes. You know what I'm saying? And 
not every single day of those almost 20 plus years were we these high vibed, you know, I'll speak for myself, but there's no way I was showing. Speak for me too, bitch. Speak for me. I'm getting in the habit of learning how to speak for myself, but I got you. I I will speak for you now that I have your permission. Um, (laughs) But yeah, ain't nobody showing up fucking, ain't nobody showing up that perfect every day. It's not good vibes every day. Sometimes it's snippy. Sometimes it's an attitude. Sometimes, sometimes prior to the person that I am right now, and I still have so much more growth to go, but the level of awareness that I have Like I know when my attitude is spilling over on somebody and I have to remind myself that doesn't belong to them. Take it back and go get a snack because you're cranky because you're hungry, right? I know how to pull back my negativity. I know how to pull back um, what people didn't earn. Um, But that's because I spend my life caring about this stuff. I was not that person. You know what I'm saying? I was not that person a couple of years ago and our friendship still had to endure those seasons. And it still maintained the level of durability to withstand those seasons. Um, so I really thank you for that. I, I, I love our friendship for that. Um, mm. and it, I also kind of mourn that a little bit because I feel like so many, the way, with the way that we are building an ideology around what friendship needs, I wonder if it's even holding space for that to flourish. Right. You know, I think. Oh, yeah. So much of what you said deeply resonates with me, Berg. Um, and the word elasticity is like really arriving right now. And I think that feels like the greatest gift you could give a friend. You know what I mean? Is the permission to stretch and shrink sometimes because That's what the changing forecasts of our lives do. Sometimes when it's really cold and we are entering a winter time, we do shrink. You know what I mean? Um, and then we are fully out and about, you know, and elongated when it's like spring, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is also why I live in New York because it's just, living within the greatest metaphor of all time. (laughs) 100%. 100%. You know? Yeah. Embracing that rhythm of life, that natural expansion and, you know, restriction, but seeing that flow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like a part of why that whole, you are the average of the five people you hang the most with, why that just leaves a really bitter taste in my mouth is because it takes away the greatest spice of life for me anyway, which is variety. <laughs> I got and friends I, I don't want to be like, but I love you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I yeah. fuck with you, but I yeah, like me. And I think also because there's been such a heavy emphasis on professional success, uh, being synonymous with a meaningful life, right? Because so many of us, we didn't jump on social media to use it as like uh, a moving resume, we we figured out, you know what I mean, in real time that many of us could use this to either leverage the jobs we have offline or create jobs online. And so because the internet does not have business hours, but so many of us are doing business <laughs> through it, I think our brain is super focused on that aspect of living. And so then subconsciously, slash consciously for many, the filter you're moving in the world with is, but can you contribute to my professional development? 
but are you good for me and my business? But can you help me to make money? That that's the prerequisite. And that's the a lot of folks don't realize they're leading with. And, and oh man, yeah, I love this. So you're so right, right? So friendship is now taking on this, um, I don't know, this, this transactional, this transactional energy, right? <laughs> we see how capitalism molds French, how we see how capitalism molds our social interactions. So now right. friendship has to be transactional. Um, and the position that that puts us in. And now it's like, if, a friendship is not contributing to whatever your social wealth or your social standing. Where does it stand? It's really crazy. It's sad. Um, it's scary, but it's real. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, listeners, like it's so tremendous that all of us, including myself, can be seduced by it, can slip into that. You know what I mean? Because, because think like, about especially it. Especially when, you, go ahead, Berg. Because I'm like, honestly, how can you not look at how um, social media is uh, plays into that, right? Yeah. Like even when you are about to like a picture, it already shows you who out of your most popular friends like that picture first. It already shows you who this person's affiliated. All of our social networks are kind of like that. It always shows you who else is this person's friend, um, yeah. which makes it all the more reason why you should be their friend. Um, I think- or it'll, or it'll show you who are the most popular people that follow this person, which makes it all the more reason why you should try to be this person's friends too, right? Yeah. Um, this person has this many blue check people that like them. So mm. you should like them too. They're cool. Right. Cool people like them. Um, yeah. Cause it's interesting, you know, going back to like when we were all homo sapiens and we tribes are necessary, right? But you didn't have the opportunity to choose your tribe per se. But now, like, you can. <laughs> and I think we may just, like, over-index on that a lot. You know what I'm saying? And that also, honestly, like, plays into what I realized. Like, I'm discussing, like, friendship a lot with um, my therapist. Like, friendship and work are the two tent poles of my therapy sessions. And I don't know when I developed this, but I definitely have a fear around friendship that has to do with, am I meeting my friend's standards of how they view me to be? Like, because now, I don't know, I it, it almost feels like I have so many friends that are successful in many different ways, right? And it feels like in my 20s and younger we were all like figuring it out. You know what I mean? And it was an anomaly if someone like made it big, right? But it almost feels like the standard at a certain age to thrive um, professionally. And because I have some insecurities in my professional life, but others have more what appears to be stability you know what I mean? And there, I'm not talking about like financial stability. I'm talking about like mental stability, like a, a like a, an enthusiasm. You know what I mean? Uh, when it comes to all that they create and call work, it makes me feel very nervous sometimes. And I and I and I started to realize that like the group of friends that play best with my nervous system 
are my friends from college because they never knew Tracy G. Their Tracy G was not born yet. You know what I mean? It was just Trace. <laughs> it was just face. It was it <laughs> was crazy. It was racy. Yep, it was crazy. It was racy. It was, it was, it was, it was all of that. And it was like, you know, I met you guys when I was still like clay. And I know that I'm always moldable, but in a way there's like a somewhere in my mind that feels like I have to be fully formed in order to qualify for some of my friendships. Um, and so that doesn't mean I don't put that on the certain individuals that are coming to mind for me, that's my work. You know what I mean? I don't look at them as toxic because I remind myself of all the evidence I have (laughs) that this individual cares for me in totality. You know what I mean? Not my um, work status or identity, et cetera, et cetera, or what I can offer them. It doesn't feel transactional. It feels... um, divine. But I think just where they are in their lives, where I'm still like figuring things out, you know what I mean? Is what rattles me a tad, but I'm working on it and I'm getting, and I'm, and I'm getting much better at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very, um, understandable fear. I think that, I think that's also plays into why navigating friendships when you're older, it's one of the factors that makes it trickier. Yeah. Because there's so much, there's so, uh, our relate, we realize how much our relationships shape our social standing in the eyes of other people, in the eyes of ourselves as well. Um, mm. and I mean, it sucks, but people really it like, sucks. you know, we're living in a society. It's no secret. People are getting judged over their jobs. They're getting judged over how much they earn. They're getting judged over if they own property yet. They're getting judged yeah. over. You know, everything. We we don't even need to go down the list. So, I mean, it's very understandable for us to also um look at our friendships and wonder if, I don't know, just wonder, just be curious about the validity of them or the, yeah. you know, the strength of them or their ability to withstand, um you know, any type of shifts, fi- shifts you know, or our perceptions yeah. of what success may look like and where they, where they meet with the other person. Um I wholeheartedly right. agree with that. I haven't really had the desire to make new friends. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I don't say that with pride. You know, I don't like, I know that there's a real, yeah. like, I know that there's a, there, there's a, there's a swag to that. Like no new friends, nobody. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. proud of that. Um, mm-hmm. I just haven't had the desire to do that. I think, um, I just grew up with such a strong foundation with my sisters and then that those needs got further enhanced when I met you guys in college. And after that, I was like, oh my God, my sister crew's so deep, right? And then I still have friends from childhood. So by the time that I really did hit my 30s, like, and you know, I was, I'm, I was navigating the entertainment industry as a dancer and I'm realizing how important all of this who you know type of stuff is anytime that you're trying Mm -hmm. to work your way into the entertainment industry. And I'm like, I don't want to pretend to be friends with somebody. Like, I just want to get it. I just want to get this job. That's, I want to be honest. I just want this job. Do I have to pretend to be your friend to do that? (laughs) Because we have only so much time 
so much energy and like I'm just like all right am I collecting people just for like the sake of it you know what I'm saying it's it's a or different type do of all these individuals have roots exactly it's a different type of pressure that's placed on navigating friendships um when there's so much focus on where you are going with your career <laughs> When there's Hello. such a strong gaze on that, you really have to be, you don't have to be, but there is a pressure to navigate friendship circles a little bit more strategically than you did in the past. Right, um, right, right. You know what else that just came to mind too? Oh, I, I apologize for cutting you off, Bird. No, I was just going to say, it's just not, it's not, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel yeah. like that old thing that you were talking about, that feeling that you get of like elasticity, elasticity. Help me say this word. Elasticity. 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 Um, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you don't feel that level of buoyancy. You don't feel that resiliency that, um, happens when that pressure isn't there. It's tricky. It is. It is tricky. Um, uh, it's also tricky when you're having such a, a conversation with so much with. <laughs> We have confinements of time, but I want to, I, I, I want to say this, um, before we wrap up and we will have a, a part two of this listeners. Uh, but it really hit me, Girdley, that living in a male dominated society, like that has shaped the way women view friendships. In my opinion, everything comes back to patriarchy. And so the emphasis on a woman's appearance, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think is what has played a part is like a common thread. And I think we're much more conscious of this now and we're doing what needs to be done to kind of disrobe ourselves from it. But the whole idea of like, okay, I, who's around me, who looks good to be around me? Because I know so many guys and and guys who are you know the typical definition of of success and they still got like some of their like hood troublemaking i don't really kind of know what's going on in my life friends around <laughs> all of them the sketchy friends every single the, that's <laughs> thank you for summing all of that up in one word burger thank you it's so much. much they really do hold on to their sketchy friends they always <laughs> oh and they not to even death. hold on defend Yo. Okay. So yeah. Yes. Like they hold He's with us. Arms. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I love that. It's fun. It's hilarious. Oh my gosh. There's yeah, it is it is hilarious. There's not many things that I um want to mirror or copy and paste from uh the uh general male population, but I do like that. It's cool. I really do 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 like that 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 sense of camaraderie. It's cool. Yeah, it is cool. They do have that sense of camaraderie. Um, unfortunately, I do think that that's the extent of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't say. <laughs> Listen, all of us, right? No one is immune to critique because no one is doing things perfectly out right. here. Right. Just borrowing bits and pieces from everyone. And it's a good look that we can, yeah. that, you know, um, as, you know, women who play into patriarchy, it's a good look for us to be reminded that that, that that exists. Yeah. Um, but there's a reason why like sisterhood and connection among women is so much more idealized than that is among men because their relationships don't, they have not been known to, uh, carry on as long as women's do or as, um, 
as Nothing close. They can remain on the surface. It can right? remain on the surface. They don't go life, as deep as we do. Yes. And, and life at some point with or without your consent will push you further out into the deep end of the ocean. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> let's hope and, that you got folks who know how to swim. And that's it. And you need a friend yeah. that's going to emotionally mature with you. Um, yeah. So they're going to have that perspective when things feel off. So um, yeah. I think that unfortunately, because of what patriarchy also does to men and how they slow down that process or they don't hold enough space for that process of introspection and emotional maturity and self-awareness and tapping into your sensitivity for they don't allow that very human experience to mature and um, space to grow. And, and the way that they as humans require and need um, their ability to, it, it just affects their ability to connect. Um, and that's yeah. to the extent that I can speak of it because I don't live in their bodies and I don't know their experience, but based off yeah. of, um, what I've been told. Observation. Oh, what you've been told. And what I've been told from, observation. and yeah. that's it. You know, I have yeah. male friends who have mad male friends and they pour into me, you know what I'm saying? Or they're pouring to other, or the women in their life. Um, because there is that level of, uh, there's space for that emotional connection that really is the glue that holds friendships that, that can really be the bones that we were talking about earlier that so many friendships kind of did not, um, you know, kind of cut a little. Yeah. Didn't have enough calcium to withstand. So. Ooh, child, need that calcium. You kind of got me thinking that we need to, um, have a conversation about just the importance of Male friendships. Oh yeah, male friendships. Women are having male friendships. You know what I mean? Yeah, just going back to the variety and how that has contributed to who we are. Because um, certain male friendships have really saved me and saved the way I moved in this world. Because <laughs> I could, I could really be out here with like a five hundred pound chip on my shoulder. <laughs> okay, or just making the same mistake. <laughs> hard over body because I'm over taking and over and over. Yeah. Again. yeah. Cause you're running this scenario, um, you know, through the lens of how women see the world. And it's like, actually, if you ask a guy, he's going to look at it completely different and he's going to give you a perspective. That's going to blow your freaking mind. And it's so yeah. simple. That's what pisses me off. It's so simple. You should have saw it. You should have saw it. You should have saw it, but you have missed it. Cause you were thinking overthinking. All right. to a girly because I already see this is triggering you. <laughs> but I do want to oh, say I got a story first, to tell. Um, again, as publicly as possible that I love you. I, lo I love you as an individual. I love you as one half of our friendship. It's such an honor to mature emotionally with you, physically. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so beautiful when we look back at our days when we didn't have a, a head full of white hair, depending or not, if you go, you know, the dying, I don't know what you're going to do with your locks, but I do look forward to being like on a rocking chair on a porch with you. just flipping through the memory museum of our lives and laughing our asses off. So Cackling. thank you for this, Berg. Cackling, of mm -hmm. course. I love you, Tracy. <laughs> and I love the fact that I don't even need you to tell me that you love me for me to know it. I love mm. you for that. Thank you for that. I always feel it. I always know it. I never question it. And I feel incredibly carried by you. And I only hope that you know that I feel the same for you, friend. I adore you. I love you, Tracy. Thank you for this. 
If this podcast has been a treat for you, please let us know. We're on IG at Glow in the Dark. That's G-L-O. But really, I want you to consider following or subscribing to the pod on your favorite app, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Yes, YouTube. That way you can get notifications whenever a new episode is born, which also helps us nurture the show. And if that feels right, go ahead with your generous self and leave us a rating and review. These are the love languages of podcasters, my friend. I'm just saying. And to end off on love, please know in this ever-stimulating, digital-crazed modern world, your presence is ridiculously valued by us. This podcast is a light in our life, and we hope it shines the same for you. Till next time. <laughs>